Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Spin. We are finally back after a long hiatus. How long has it been? It's been about eight weeks, nine yeah, weeks. I think so. Somewhere around there. Um, I don't know if that was the initial intention for how long we were going to take our little break, but a lot of things kind of happened at once over the last couple months. Um, okay, first of all, hello to my co-host, Elias King. How are you today? Hello there. How are you? Kind of skipped over that completely. Um, it's because I started speaking. Normally, I don't say anything until you introduce me. You're breaking the rules. Look at you. Um, so, so, yeah, it's been about an eight or nine week break. Um, we initially took a break just because it was around the holidays and everything else. So we were doing the regular thing. Um, we are still recording from Third Space. At 142 Lafayette Street, Newark, New Jersey. One block away from where, Shane? The Prudential Center. Absolutely. Uh, For all your hot desk and private office needs. As long as you don't take our parking space. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, wait one second. Come a little bit. Uh, So, yeah. So, took a break for the holidays. And uh, after the holiday, well, in the midst of the holidays, we were trying to schedule things for the third space studio. But I started to realize between um, having to schedule around other folks and work out schedules or anything else, it was getting more and more difficult. And there were some limitations with the studio equipment. Like, I, at some point, I want to have guests on the show. I want to do some live things and some other stuff. And that particular studio didn't have the flexibility to do those Is things. Is that what we're doing? We're talking about how Third Space doesn't really accommodate podcasting the way it needs to be. I think we're going to edit this out, but continue. Okay. Um, so, I wanted to do some... All right, so... You wanted some... You wanted to have some studio space. Yeah, so... All right, so just... For some of the projects that we wanted to do, uh, we needed a more uh, flexible space. So we kind of created our own. Mm -hmm. So we got all the new equipments and all the new things. And um, I might do a video one day and put on the Facebooks to uh, show what we've got for all the podcast nerds who are interested in that sort of thing. We should totally do that. Um, Or even if you're looking at starting a, a podcast yourself. So I'll probably do that at some point. Um, so we got all the equipment in and we got a fancy new ring light for you for when you do your Facebook lives. I can be all cute and well lit. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. And even now we're still building out the show a little bit. Um, I'm hoping that I can deal with this in, uh, editing, but you might hear a little bit of a balance. We have some soundproofing we have to get. So there's, there's little tweaks and things that we're going to work on as we go. So bear with us. Um, but either way, it's great to be back and great to be doing this again. Uh, did you miss it? I did, actually. Um, the first couple of weeks, I well, we were we were in Miami for some time. So the holidays plus Miami, I was like, all right, cool. I'm just really decompressing. Mm-hmm. But since then, yeah, I missed it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and I'm, if you know me, I'm always excited for new toys. So I got to break out the unboxing knife and, oh, God. <laughs> and do all, so if you, if you're like me, you watch a ton of uh, unboxing videos on YouTube and tech stuff. And a lot of them have their trusty unboxing knife that's almost like a ceremonial thing. So I got to do the things. And um, part of the reason we don't have an unboxing video is because I kind of... It, you couldn't even wait. I pre unbox <laughs> It was ridiculous. I thought you were really going to take your time and, you know, set up your phone to record. And nope. Just, no, I just it was like Christmas everything. morning. Um, so on top of the new toys and everything else, there's also been a lot of work that fell our way. 
uh, mm-hmm. over the last couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, you are the editor at large at Level. I am published by Medium, one of the I want to say dozen or more verticals that Medium publishes. Yes, yes. and they are focused on black men, uh, men of color, men, men of, of color, color, age thirty-five and older. Correct. So we like to say thirty-five and up, and up, I'm not sorry. thirty-five and. We don't use the O word at sorry. level. So I've read somewhere where somewhere saying instead of talking about age, we should call it levels. So mm-hmm. I'm a level 42, which Correct. sounds a lot more awesome. I like that. <laughs> I'm a level 42. I've unlocked level 42. I've unlocked level 42. <laughs> um, so with that, uh, you've been doing a lot of editing and writing. I have. I've been fortunate to write a couple of pieces for level as well. Mm-hmm. And I also started working for the Grio as a weekend news editor. Correct. Um, which we will probably talk a little bit about later because um, we do want to touch on Kobe a little bit and what mm-hmm. happened this past week. Um, we also formally started a business. We did. Which... Sort of by accident. I don't feel like we sat down and said, we're going to start a company together. I feel like we started the company before there was a company. And I think that's kind of what happened. Right. So... Um, for those of you who don't know the story, actually, let's tell the story. Tell the story about when you did the pause and reset. That too. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, if you guys aren't aware, um, Aaliyah and I are actually an item. Do people still say an item? You know me, I talk old. I talk above my age. Oh my God. We're an item. Yeah. My vocabulary is much like my Spotify playlist. They're 60 years old. Oh, goodness. We're Um, an item. Yep. So we met on a dating site. Ew. What? Why are you so embarrassed by that? We met on a dating site. I don't want to say that. I want to say we met, we were introduced by mutual friends, which is the same thing. So is, is the mutual friend your phone and my phone? No. Did your phone and my phone say, hey, you guys should really meet. You guys would be really great. I don't know why I feel that way, why I feel some type of way. I think it shows my age that, you know, for me... Like I was married for forever, and so were you. Mm-hmm. So we didn't, we didn't come up in the Tinder or the I don't know what the first dating app, Match. dot com, whatever they were. Black people meet. Black people meet. No, that's kind of new, actually. Or Black Planet. Black Planet, which wasn't really a dating, wasn't a dating site, site, but, but it was a dating yeah, site. Yeah. So I I missed what all was, of that. Was it age, gender, location? That was the yes. that was the three. No age. Yeah, age, gender, location. Mm-hmm. So for me, I always thought of a dating app still had like a cheesy reputation like you do that when you're desperate Mm -hmm. like why can't you just go to the club or just meet somebody at work or whatever like why do you got to go this thirsty extra step because we're 40 plus years old we don't go to clubs and we work alone i get it (laughs) i totally get it like it made sense i was very intentional about it and i knew what i was doing i knew what i wanted to do um but that's why so Mm -hmm. whatever we met on a dating site yeah so the interesting with the thing with us is as soon as we met on the dating site, we had a couple dates, and then we were immediately working together. Yeah. Um, I was within, I want to say, two or three weeks, a social media manager right. and all these different things. Mm-hmm. And it kind of slowly morphed from helping you with your business to creating our business. Yep. And I can't, it's funny. We were just talking a minute ago about what exactly that business is, and the short answer is content creation. Mm-hmm. But I think it's probably a little bit more nuanced than that, and we're, we're it still... It definitely is. We're still like filling out all the things that exist. I can't hear myself as loud as I want to. You can't. No, I want to hear uh, myself a little bit louder. Because uh, you're louder than me. How's that? Boop boop boop. That's better. That's better. Wait, is it? Now I feel like I'm hearing myself outside of the. 
headphones, but that's not possible. I'm going to keep I mean, saying, testing, testing, your, testing things. I have your headphones almost maxed out at this point. That's weird. It definitely doesn't sound, it doesn't feel maxed out. Normally, if I were, if I have headphones on and it was maxed out, I wouldn't even be able to talk. Let's pause be too loud. for one second. Um... Still the same? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, you're coming through, so. Okay, then it's fine. Go. All right. uh, so like we said, we're, I mean, I'm, yeah, we're still playing with the new toys. Mm-hmm. Um, so we essentially went from my working for you to us being partners. Correct. Um, as we were becoming partners. In real life. In real life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but the company, the writing, all the things happening at once. Um it's been an eventful uh, couple of months. Yeah, it has. I'm glad to be on the ride with you. Very, um, very eventful. You were talking about the dating app. Oh yeah, uh, the I still. Don't... Oh no, I think you were done. You were just, I think. I yeah, don't no, know. no, no, no. I was. We were talking about the the idea of you know dating Going... apps being correct. But no, I think I, I think dating apps are fine. Um, and again, me having been sitting by myself for a year and change post divorce. That was pretty much the way it was going to happen. Yeah, I was not. I had not been by my, myself for that long, and I actually wasn't. Wait, what are we talking about right now? Are we talking about? I don't know what we're talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of weaving between the business and our personal life, but I think the entire dating thing we can, or we'll, we'll tell that story mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what we've been writing, actually. Okay. Um. Your, I want to say your first piece at level was the Frank Lucas eulogy. Correct. Which um, I have to say anytime this comes up that I was really having a strong, a really tough time figuring out how I was going to write that piece. And I was struggling. And my my due date came and went a couple times. I just wasn't sure how to wrap myself around the piece. And I remember you a few weeks before have randomly said, you know, sometimes I write a person's eulogy in my head. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the creepiest thing I'd ever heard <laughs> in my life. And it's, it's so, it's sort of a thought, pro, thought and writing exercise I do. So I've written eulogies for family and friends. I haven't written yours yet. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's a thing that I do. And I feel like you should write mine. I feel like that might be an inoculation and maybe I'll live <laughs> as long as you haven't. I mean, as long as you have written it. I, so I, I don't think I've written a eulogy for anybody who's actually died yet. So you may actually be right. Mm-hmm. Have you written your own? I th- think I did. I, that might have been the first one I did, actually, was like, what would people say about me? I think that's actually how it all started. What would people say about me once I passed? And then in my head, it turned into my brother or somebody right. giving my So eulogy. that was, you had already told me that that was part of your process. I swear, I feel like this mic is low. That just might be me. I feel like it's changing, sort of. Oh, whoa. Okay, right there. Okay. So I told you I was having a hard time with the story. Did you just lower it? Okay, I'm going to stop touching things now. Okay. Hello, 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 hello. It's low. It's low. So much editing coming. (laughs) It is. How's that now? Um, Testing, testing. That's better. Okay. Um... When I'm having a really tough time with a piece, 
I can start to spiral and then it'll just get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And you said, why don't you write Frank's story? Should we talk about Frank Lucas? Yeah, you need to backtrack a little bit, I think. Uh, the subject of a movie called American Gangster starring Denzel Washington, 2007 or eight or nine, um, nominated for a bunch of awards. Uh, the subject, Frank Lucas, who was a drug dealer in Harlem, decided to do something unusual, which is write his life story after the movie came out, um, just because he wanted his life to be chronicled properly and not just in a movie um, for his eventual demise. And he died earlier last year, earlier last year. I co-wrote, ghost wrote, collaborated with Frank on his book over the course of a year and change, and I hated him. So uh, over the years, Jermaine, who uh, is my editor at Level, would Jermaine, always, Hall. Jermaine Hall, would always tell me I was going to write something about Frank. And I would say, no, I'm not. And he would say, yeah, you are. He turned out to be right. So anyway, I always want to thank you because you told me to frame the story as a eulogy. Well, I was, also to give a little bit of background on that, you were actually asked to attend the funeral. I was. I was asked passed. to attend and I was asked to speak on his behalf. And I passed because I hated him and him dying didn't make me hate him any less. So for me, it was that was a natural progression from there because you were actually... Because you were asked. I was like, well, write the thing that you would have wanted to say if you could have said anything. Correct. So that's what I did. And once I had that framework, it just flowed. It wasn't, it still wasn't easy to write, but it flowed much better once I had a framework. So sometimes you just need that tap on the shoulder to kind of figure out where you stand on something. I don't know what would have happened. I guess I would have eked out something some kind of way, but that was really helpful. And that was my first piece for Level. It did really well. Yeah. And I think it's also hard for you because you've written about it so many times. Like, I have. Well, not a lot of time, enough. but enough. Yeah. Enough. And we did talk about how this could be closure for me because I did have some regrets uh, about not going to... No, not regrets, but I did wonder if I had done the right thing by not going. Um, so I finally feel like I have closure. I'm done. I don't have to talk about him anymore except for on a podcast, obviously. Um, <laughs> Although I imagine it's easier to talk about them than have to write about them at this point. They're equally tough, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, oh, and I will put links to all these stories in the show notes as well, just so you know. Um, so my first Peaceful Level was an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically wrote about my penis. You did. Uh, the What was the title? I'm trying to get the title I don't know story. if you would say... It was about your penis. Well, I'm, really I'm being, wasn't. I'm being, I'm being, oh, oh. yeah, I'm being facetious. Um, but it was so I, I don't can't remember the title of this one, but I basically wrote about my struggles with delayed ejaculation, which uh, is the exact opposite of um, erectile dysfunction, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I've had issues where it's called why delayed ejaculation is hard to solve. I just now realized that that was a pun. That was a play on words. Hard. Seriously? I just got that at this moment. Angie. Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, the stats on this story are crazy. You got 2,000 slaps. I mean, claps. Yeah, let's, let's, slaps. <laughs> <laughs> Something wow, else entirely. Wow. But um, wow. no, so um, this story is basically running down how I discovered that this was an issue because 
I think as men, we are taught that long and strong are the way to go. And you're supposed to go for hours and hours. So I thought I was functioning normally until, as you'll read in the piece, I discovered that that was not actually <laughs> desirable. At least not for the person, you know? Mm-hmm. You can have circumstances, I would imagine, where that's okay, where a woman's okay with that. Right. But this particular woman was like, ow, essentially. Right. That woman being me. <laughs> I was wondering if you want to say it or not. Um, but yeah, so it, the, the piece basically explores my realization. And it, it kind of happened in real time, actually. It did. It absolutely happened. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, the story, I don't even know if... The story became a story because after we talked about it, you were wondering, like, does this have a name? Right. And it wasn't until you realized that it had a name and that other people experienced it that it was like, oh, wait, this is actually something to write This about. is like a medical thing. And right. Um, because gets- for the record, mm-hmm. I was not, you know, Shane and I are both writers. I have been an editor and a journalist and et cetera for a really long time. And I'm really funny style about, like, assigning things to people in my circle and, you know, I was not planning to have Shane as a part of the launch team of Level, uh, Level launch December 4th of last year. So not that I was like never, but I definitely was kind of easing back on that. Like I wasn't really trying to pitch him for something because he's my boyfriend. But when we started talking about DE, it was like, I'm doing disservice if I don't pitch this boy's story because people need to read about this and I don't care who he is this story needs to be written and he needs to be the one to write it so I pitched it and there we go you made me ask my parents about their sexual history I did I'm, I did. St- I'm, st- I'm still scarred from I that I know you had to ask your dad if he and your dad if I'm actually as your editor I'm pretty sure I took that out because we just they didn't have the in, word count I, think. I don't remember so the, the so I tell my mother, yeah, I'm working on a story. And she says, well, what's it about? And I was like, oh, great. Um, and so, so basically it's about how, you know, sex with me lasts forever. And I have issues ejaculating and all the other stuff. How do you even say those words to your mama? Yeah, actually, it's harder to have the conversation with my father. But my mother was essentially like, oh, your father has the same problem. <laughs> to which my editor says, well, now you have to ask your you father. You have to ask your dad. I call my father and he says, I have the exact opposite problem. I don't know what you're talking about. But that even went into the idea of, you know... What's long for her, what's, what's short for right. him, and the, the, the fact that there is no hard and set rule huh, on how <laughs> any of this stuff works. But um, I'm particularly proud of the piece. Um, you should be. It's a good story. Yeah. And I've been fortunate to do a couple interviews as well. Um, Jenna... Um, <coughs> Jen... Wow. Ooh. Jenna Wortham? Yes. You're... Celebrity crush, you're zoning out. It's been a long day. It's mm-hmm. been a long week. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first interview was with Jenna Wortham, who is a writer for the New York Times and is also a co-host of the podcast, Still Processing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really great to talk to her and do that interview. And then I got to talk to Ashley Nicole Black from Black Lady Sketch Show. Mm-hmm. Um, also really fun. So for me, this is where I do start to delve into the idea of being a journalist these are my first celebrity interviews and everything else, and I thank you for kind of you know walking me through of course how not, to structure and get those easy. things set up. But um, yeah, those are up now as well. I'm working on another, my first reported piece now, which will hopefully hit sometime next month. Um, so just all the writings and all the busyness and all the things. Uh, oh wait, we can't we can't 
speaking of celebrity interviews, uh, one Mr. Tyler Perry you got to sit down and talk to. <laughs> really? Must we? Oh, we must. Are you kidding? Uh, Kid Fury says we must discuss this. That's what he says? That's he, his thing? Yeah, he just, he just texted me, said we have to talk about oh, really? your Tyler You're Perry. lying! Well, of course I am. He doesn't know oh, me. I was believing you. <laughs> no, you did, but you did a really amazing interview with Tyler Perry. Thank you. Um, so... And because of me, you know how she got back on the boat. That's right. So, um, Jermaine hits you up. We're in Miami. Jermaine mm-hmm. hits you up and says... Uh, that sounds so fancy. So, we're in Miami. Jermaine hits you <laughs> up and says, can you interview Tyler Perry? Can you come home early and interview Tyler Perry? Right. I'm fancy. Um, we get sort of the Red Band uh, preview mm-hmm. for the movie. Yep. That would be A Fall From Grace. A Fall From Grace. Mm-hmm. And the day before that, we had watched Acrimony. Because um, I think Akamai was like, it wasn't trending, but it was a big conversation on Twitter like that week. And mm-hmm, it, no. Wasn't? The Akamai conversation had been a long time ago. It's, it started a long time ago, yeah. but I feel like it bubbled up again. With, it didn't. It didn't? No, because I went through the whole Twitter feed of it, and it was still pretty old. Like, there weren't a lot of current. Mm. But that's why I thought, well, I want to ask him about it. So. Because I knew it was like. A black Twitter inside of a black Twitter sort of conversation. Right. The the meta black Twitter. Yes. So how do we get from, hey, I need you to interview Tyler Perry to essentially having a Tyler Perry double feature while we're in Miami? So I think, I'm, I can't imagine why we watched. I must have known I was going to interview Tyler Perry. No, and, you did. And, but and watched we did. the first one, watched but, Acrimony. Because to be fair, we're not watching Tyler Perry no, outside of really. some sort of outside context no not outside of getting paid to do so um so we watched acrimony because i guess i hadn't gotten the link to watch a fall from grace yet but i knew i wanted to ask him about what i read on twitter when kid fury said but how did she get back on the boat so because i'm 46 and you know i'm used to being at the white hot center of pop culture because i was for a long time and i'm not now like, I just don't know everything. There mm-hmm. was a time when I knew every album, every movie, every everything. Right. I don't know what's going on anymore. So when I looked on Twitter and saw someone say, how did she get back on a boat? And see that it got like 5,000 likes, just this, just this one random question. And all these black folks are like clutching their sides. That was that a Kid Fury tweet? That or? was a Kid Fury okay. tweet. Yeah, it was someone else tweeting that he said that okay. on the read. Gotcha. And people were just howling. And I think it was even funnier because he didn't say, did you see that Tyler Perry acrimony movie? How did she get back? It didn't say that. If right. you knew, you knew. If you didn't, you didn't. Right. So I had to look through the comments to even see what movie they were talking about. So I was like, all right, I have to watch this movie and see what the heck they're talking about. Um, and we watched it. And we realized just how insane it was. So I knew I was going to talk to him about that. Mm-hmm. The following day is when Netflix says, now watch the movie that's actually out. Right. I Fall From Grace, which watch- I never talked to him about. And we're watching this a week before it was actually released. Correct. So we're bubbling. <laughs> yeah, but we can't, obviously, we can't talk about it No, at this of point. course not. We should have made t-shirts and we couldn't. Well, yeah, for all the reasons. Mm-hmm. Ashtray, bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. We knew. We knew. We knew. <laughs> when he said Ashtray, bitch, we were like, damn it. We can't say anything. No. We can't tweet out Astray, bitch. You'll figure it out soon. And I think much like Twitter ended up doing, we're pausing and rewinding and pausing and rewinding. And like, wait, what just happened? Yep. What is, how and what's going, so we have I don't think the, the word is rewinding. I think you're showing your age when you say that. I think that. it's still rewinding. Is it still rewinding? 
I mean, it's the same way you still record. Hmm. Okay. Well, if it's not rewinding, what would it be? I don't know. I think the young people say something else. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not the young people anymore. Either. I'm going to ask. Maisie doesn't say rewinding when she's going back and watching a YouTube video. She does not say, I'm going to rewind. You know how many people, how many young folks don't realize the save icon was a disc? It was an actual thing that existed back in the day. I know. Um, anyway. Anyway. So you, we get back to New home. York. I actually, another fancy thing. Straight if from I'm the not airport. mistaken, I went straight from the airport to go meet Tyler Perry. I'm carrying your I'm tote carrying bag all and your my purse cute and little, whatever it is. All my things. And I am jumping on a train. Well, no, what would make it fancy is if there was a car waiting for me at the airport that took me into the city and not me waiting for 40 minutes for the air train. So not that fancy. Um, and I went to the hotel and it was a junket, which I don't do. Um, that is one way that I'm fancy that I don't... I was going to say, that's the fancy. That's the fancy. Because Aaliyah S. King ain't doing no junket. We're going to have a sit down, just me and you. And I'm not getting... I think they were all each getting like eight minutes or something. Yeah, but you got like four and a half hours or something. I got too. 20... I had 30. Um, and then initially it was supposed to be like 45 or... Well, it was 45, including the shoot. Oh, okay. So the got photographer you. got some time, and mm-hmm. then it was me, and I was last. Mm-hmm. So normally you wouldn't have that on a junket. But anyway, I knew I was still not going to have a lot of time to do a meandering interview, mm-hmm. which is what I, I'm really good at that. I will give you, you know, I can keep someone entertained, and I can interview a celebrity for two hours and never make them feel like, oh, my God, this has to be over. But I knew I didn't have a lot of time, and I knew that Tyler Perry would be prickly. He is very prickly. And what I didn't say, and I haven't said, so this is an exclusive for you, Shane. Is it a real exclusive? It's a real exclusive. exclusive. It's a real exclusive. Because sometimes they say, (laughs) like Tyler. Tyler said, I'm giving an exclusive. And then before my story went up, I saw the same thing, same quotes everywhere. 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 I was so sad. Um, Although, to be fair, you said, give me something exclusive. I did. So you kind of put him on the spot. (laughs) I did. I said, give me an exclusive. But but he didn't follow up. He followed up at the end as we're parting. Like, I gave you an exclusive. Make sure you print it. (laughs) Um, So, by the way, when I I got there. Speaking of old, print it. I know. Make sure you print it. Uh, When I got there, I felt the prickly. And when he sat down. I said, I literally just came from Miami, so I'm a little flustered. I'm going to get it together. He's like, well, you came up here just for me? And I said, yes, I did. And he was like, well, where's home? And he said, is home near Miami? And I was like, no, home is New Jersey. And I could tell he shifted. Like, Tyler has a much different relationship with the press in Atlanta. And he feels a lot more comfortable with people. He don't F with New York, period. Right. He's not, he doesn't like to do screenings. He's very, very like all these, you know, folks that are. Hoity toity. The hoity toity. Yeah. Not the hoity. He likes the hoity polloi. Right. Not the hoity toity. Yes. So I could tell he shifted just a bit when mm-hmm. I'm like, now nah, I'm from here. I'm just across the river in Jersey. And he was like, oh, okay. He immediately knew you didn't fuck with his shit. Right. And he was like, uh huh. You're one of those. Exactly. So the I knew he Negroes. would be. Northern <laughs> Negroes, yes. I knew he would be. I'm Langston Hughes and you're Zora. So. I knew he would be prickly, and I knew I wouldn't have a lot of time. So I did something I don't normally do, which is write out all my questions, which I don't normally. I write out themes or things I want to make sure I touch on, but I don't look down. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing a celebrity interview, I turn on my recorder, 
I pray to the Lord that it's working, and then I make complete eye contact for the entire interview. Do not look down. That'll make me uncomfortable. I have to. Um, so for this, I didn't do that. And, and I told him I wasn't. I said, I have my questions right here. So that is what made the difference that made the interview a little bit more... I don't know. Pointed? Pointed. Because I literally was like, let's go through these. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Let's go. Um, so, yeah. It's a good story. I'm proud of it. Excellent. And, uh, no. Anyway. Um, yeah. Really, really good interview. Again, we'll put the links up on uh, the show notes. What else do we have going on? Uh, new business. We're writing. We're doing the things. Uh, obviously a podcast and we've been hinting at another couple other podcast projects that will come down couple other we're doing more than one other well we have your podcast project will be released at some point oh right no yes okay yes. i'm on we have this yeah. show which is technically mine mm-hmm. and then i think there's a third one that we're trying to figure out what it's going to be like the the our show sort of mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. so we're doing all the things and all the wonderful stuff um yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that we're forgetting on that end, or are we good? It's your show. That's How not helpful. That's, that's not helpful. I'm the host. I'm the co-host. <laughs> I'm not the producer. I literally sit down and put my headphones on. No, I'm just trying to think if there's any projects or anything that we're not thinking about or forgetting. Well, I mean, some of the best stuff we can't announce. Right. We're not, well, one of the good things we can't really announce right now. Well, a couple um, of them, actually. Maybe you could speak in Canadian pig Latin. Wake um, up, Agar. Take all gigging, outs. So there's somebody who speaks Canadian Pig Latin <laughs> that you just gave the exclusive to? Yes, I did. Um, so no, uh, that's kind of what we've been up to the last couple months. Um, we're going to take a short break, and we kind of want to wrap up with a conversation about Kobe. Um, yeah, we, we've had a pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Unique experience with how that whole thing played out. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we'll be right back with you. Is there a t-shirt in here? I'm so hot. Oh. And itchy. Chunky knits. And chunky knits. Are just itchy. Who are these people? <laughs> All right. So skip that. <laughs> Glad we're not live. Um, so we're back. And uh, just want to kind of wrap up the show with kind of our thoughts on the passing of Kobe Bryant. Um, so Sunday, I guess we'll just, yeah, I just want to jump right into it, I guess. Yep. Um, Sunday, we're all hanging out. It's uh, us and the, and the kids and we're just kind of milling about. I'm 
uh, on shift at the Griot as a weekend editor. Uh, you're doing all the things that you're doing for, I, I don't know if you I actually wasn't on duty, but just because. But you were doing the things because you're always doing the things. Because I'm doing all the things. Yeah. And I was actually just, which was really creepy too. I was, for the first time, I was letting people know. Like people who have to make big decisions at other places. I was the one like, this is a thing that's happening. Right. And um, I've never been that person. Right. So as weekend editor at the Grio, um, weekends are generally sort of a skeleton crew. It's myself and usually one other writer. I'll pull a couple stories from the AP or wherever else, and they'll do a quick write-up, and I'll publish them, and that's kind of that. Uh, I pull the stories together. I hand them to the writer, and then I get a ping on my Slack, and I hand you my phone because yep. I, like, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You look at it, and it's basically um, TMZ saying that Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. and Actually? Was it TMZ yet? Nope. It wasn't even on TMZ. This was just someone internally saying that they were hearing this. If I'm not mistaken, I don't feel like I saw a TMZ logo on what you showed me. I feel like it was just, Was it? they're saying Kobe died in a helicopter crash. Maybe. I don't think, I think it was pre-TMZ even. Because when you showed that to me, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't. It was just a, it was just somebody saying, saying that. Kobe. Because when I looked it up, there was no TMZ yet. Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, we so, knew about this before yeah, TMZ even announced it. Up. It, it might have been like maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah, it wasn't long. Um, so for me, being new to the journalism side of writing, especially as an editor, this was new territory for me. Where the breaking news breaks and the rest of the world kind of isn't privy to it yet. So the first thing we're doing is we're trying to verify, and there's nothing until nothing. until TMZ hits. Mm-hmm. And TMZ is a funny entity. We try to poo-poo it and disavow it as it being a news organization. But with this stuff... That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Do Um, you know the history of TMZ? No. Do you know what TMZ stands for? No. It stands for Three Mile Zone. Okay. So it started with knowing that if you're in this particular spot, there's a Three Mile Zone where you can find... I want to say like 80% of all the celebrities in LA are in a three mile radius of this spot. And believe it or not, I learned that from Christina Milian, which is super random, but I had to interview her. You're the queen of super random uh, celebrity. Christina Milian and I are getting pedicures and it's our birthday. We have the same birthday. So it's weird because I admit to her like, it's actually my birthday. And she's like, it's my birthday. So we bond. And I said, how come I never see you? At the time, she was dating Dre from Cool and Dre. And they were both pretty high profile at that time. And I said, how come I've never seen a paparazzi photo of you? Like, ever. And she said, you'll never see a paparazzi photo of any celebrity unless they want to be seen. It's super easy to stay out of the three-mile zone. We don't live in it. Mm-hmm. We don't travel in it. Our kids don't go, go to school in it. She was like, why do you think you never see me walking out the door with Violet? Why do you think you never see... She was like, we all know the three-mile zone. If you see us in the three-mile zone, we, we meant to be there. Interesting. So uh, that's where TMZ got its name and its sort of control of mm. that space. They are a news-gathering organization. Right. Are they journalists? I don't know. I don't know if I can make that call. I don't know if the definition of a journalist is that specific or is that broad. But I know they are a news-gathering organization. And with every celebrity death... They become more and more powerful because they're right. Right. Yeah, I think 
we were talking about the last time they were wrong, and that was Little Wayne, which... Mm-hmm. Which I can't remember any other time they were wrong besides that, frankly. Right, and this is while he's still technically in the hospital dying. He was actually dying. Yes, he, he just was. was not dead. He was not dead. Um, so we're, we're kind of hoping against hope and fighting against the idea that TMZ got this one right, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going through our things. I think Variety finally tagged on to the TMZ story. They were one of the first ones. I'm looking at the LA Times article that's saying there was a helicopter crash, but they're not naming any victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the midst of all this, our kids are being our kids. Yep. Um, my son is showing me Minecraft on his tablet. He's asking, you know, can we go to the community room and play with the pool table? Because he likes to throw the balls around and all different things. Mm-hmm. Your daughter is drawing and dancing and being her usual. And dancing and dancing and dancing. And doing all her regular things. And they're hanging out. And there's this weird dichotomy of we're in a, this is our industry. And I'm still getting used to the idea of this being my industry, but this is our industry and we're doing the work things. And my son is literally like, well, why can't we do X, Y, and Z? And you're explaining, well, somebody just passed and we have to get information on it and do some writing on it next X, Y, and Z. Which is interesting because I don't know if you noticed, but my daughter, who's almost 13, she just was kind of like, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Because she's very used to mom and dad like right have to now do the things because some bad thing just happened and and like his dad this is new territory for my son mm-hmm. like what is it, what do you mean you have to do whatever mm-hmm. um funny side funny segue um just to give you a sense of how he doesn't understand writing in general um we're in the apartment and i hand him one of your books and i say Leah wrote this <laughs> and he looks at it and it's like did you get the paper together and did you yes. do all the things? And he's like, no, no, there's a publisher who does the pictures mm-hmm. and does all the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, did you write it on paper? It's like, no, no, I typed it on a computer. And he goes, oh, you didn't write it. You're a typist. Mm-hmm. No, he said, you're not a writer. You're a typer. You're a typer. Excuse me. Right. Um, because Which my, is not even a thing. <laughs> because my son can be as annoying as I can be at, some, at a lot of different points. He's definitely my son. Um, so, he, so all that to say, he's still kind of wrapping his head around what it is I do and what it is we do. Um, and I didn't realize at the time I was kind of really working on blocking out the emotion of what was happening. In part because there was stuff to do. And also because it, I was surprised that I had emotion at all. And it took me a while to realize that while I wasn't a big Kobe fan as a basketball player, I'm a Knicks fan... LA can go suck one, whatever. Yeah, no, Knicks Knicks fans are miserable, miserable people. I'll be the first to admit it. Um, It was Kobe post-retirement, I think, is what got me. Mm -hmm. So he's fully into dadhood. He's coaching his daughter in basketball. I have aspirations of, you know, getting my son on the track. I was a former track athlete. I want to get him on the track and teach him the things at some point. Um, He won an Oscar for an animated short. He's doing all the different things. And... Um, I think that's where he became my avatar in terms of like the celebrity kind of thing that you, the version of celebrity I think that you, I would want if I want a celebrity at all. Um, and I'm a year older than him. So I'm seeing him kind of like in a space where I, he's much more familiar than him being on a basketball court. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would imagine, you know, we've talked about this before and you were talking about second acts and how you can relate more to him off the court. Um, when it comes to what do you do 40 plus right because at 42 I feel like I'm just hitting my stride in life I'm kind of in a space where 
I'm doing the things I really want to do and life is getting at least a little bit more comfortable and to be um, a little sappy for a second, you're in my life now and all these different things are kind of, all these different things are hitting. So the idea of like, you know, to lose, to, to acquire and get to this space in a year and then it's just done. Um, especially on top of the fact that again, Gigi's on the helicopter with her. Right. So all the parental fields, all the masculine energy and like the, all the things that are going into this are, I'm, I'm blocking out as much as I can. Um, I'm not sure where you are emotionally at that moment. Uh, because you're coming well, if from... you'll remember, I was coming from a news gathering thing. And it was weird because I didn't really need to do anything. Right. Like, I'm the editor at large at Level. We're not a breaking news place. But I was feeling more for people in my life than I knew we were going to be. Like, I didn't know how I was going to tell Jameen. Mm-hmm. I knew Jameen was in L.A. for the Grammys. I knew he did not know. Um, so I was like, do I wait for him to hear about it at the Rock Nation brunch or whatever? Right. Or do I tell him ahead of time? So I realized that once it was confirmed that I had to tell him. Actually, I told him before it was confirmed. I told him when it was just TMZ. Um, So I was thinking about him, lifelong Lakers fan, you know, all that. I didn't feel anything myself until that one erroneous report that said all the girls were on the plane with him. There were so many erroneous reports, but one of them was like the entire family. Right. So that one I was kind of like, ugh, I got to hold it together. Um, and I remember you saying, hey, we don't know. Right. Nothing's confirmed. We don't know. We didn't even know for sure if any of his daughters were on the plane or at him. that point. We were, well, we were, I think it was pretty we were, clear we were, that he was on there. Yeah. Once okay. once TMZ said it was him on there, mm-hmm. I was clear. But when they couldn't confirm who was else was on there, mm-hmm. you know, we knew that we weren't going to know for sure. So, but yeah, I was a pr- pretty detached, you know, not a sports follower at all. My connection to Kobe would just be... You know, me being 46 and remembering um, the first time I ever heard his name was when Brandy was on the Oprah Winfrey show and said that a young man she was seeing had asked her to prom and she was so excited because she wasn't able to go to the proms and she wasn't in school because she's famous. Right. And Oprah made a joke about this guy better be going to college after, you know, graduation. And she said, no, he's going to the NBA. And I don't know if Kobe, Kobe was not the first to no. go into the NBA right after high school. There but for some time. reason, it was a little bit... He's all, it was a thing. But he's he he's one, he's one obviously one of the most successful to have done it. And even at that point, it was kind of clear that he was going to be... He was special. The same way with like LeBron coming out of high school, and you knew him coming out of high school wasn't going to be a mistake. It was the same thing for Kobe. You knew oh, LeBron it was going to be a thing. Oh, LeBron came straight out of high school? Yeah. He didn't go to college at all? Nope. At present... That's not allowed, right? Don't you have to do a year in college? The rule has changed where you essentially have to do one year in college. Or you have to you have to be one year removed from, from, high school. from high school. So there's some folks who go play in Europe and then come into the draft or whatever it is. Which I thought made sense. I remember when they did that and I was like, that makes sense. You shouldn't go straight out of high school because whatever. And now I think that's, I don't think that's cool. Yeah, I mean, if, somebody, if somebody said you had to, you know, go to college for two years before you can write, you'd feel some kind of way. I would, indeed. Um, so no, I didn't have any personal, like it was more just young father tragedy. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter will be 13 very soon and she has, she is extremely close to her dad. She's daddy's little girl all the way. Um, so it was hard and her father was in LA at the time. So 
I could only think about if it was just one of them. Mm-hmm. My brain wouldn't then or now let me even conceive of them being together and not coming home. Right. So we kind of go through all the things, and it's a long, arduous day. And one thing, one of the things I did learn on Sunday, um, or at least was highlighted to me even more so, was, and I don't know if this is particular to journalists of black journalists. But when the news hit, it was literally like everybody was pinging everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody was verifying. It was, it was like a cluster, or a network of just, I heard this. Did you hear this? Did you verify? Inside of, regardless of what, who you wrote for, who you were working for, everybody was kind of checking with everybody, trying to verify what was going on. And I found that um, to be supremely interesting. Um, uh, what was interesting about that to you? Because that's exactly how it's always been when well, it's during a celebrity death. Well... Again, what what's always been for me is I don't know because this is my first go of it. Mm-hmm. Like this is um, I was saying to you before, this is my first um, where were you win moment mm-hmm. as a journalist. Um, so I was pictured kind of clusters. Of, I write for this publication and you write for this publication. So the information I get is my information. The information oh, no. you get is your information. That would be the case if it were. Something like, I don't know, I can't even think, war, weather, Mm. celebrity deaths, we all double down together and Mm. share resources and share information. I wouldn't hesitate if Level was a breaking news organization to hit up anybody I knew at the root, at, Mm. I'm calling Damon, various my brothers, what's going on? Because it doesn't really, once TMZ has it and it's It's first, everybody else is just coming around. So it's not really like a, now when it comes to, how you're going to cover it in the days ahead. You might not right. share details, but the breaking news day. Plus, with this, we were all operating personally for much longer than we would have like when Michael Jackson died. Right. It's like, what? Michael Jackson's dead? Boom, 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 boom. Go, go, go. Right. Kobe, it was like, I remember in the Slack channel at Medium, someone was like, I was the first person to report it in there as well. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I think this is a thing. And... One person was like, who can we get to cover this? It was empty. Like, no one even responded to that for a good maybe hour. Right. And I saw those same people on Twitter and social media like, oh, my God. So unlike other celebrity deaths, people really needed to process this one before we jumped in. Yeah. And I think it's also like if we're talking about the MJs or whoever else, there was indications like something wasn't right. And like you were aware that there there was a possibility of something happening. This wasn't that. Right. Um, so the following day, um, I was, I remember waking up, I was just tired and drained and all the things. And I remember even was being surprised even then, like, oh, this is still hanging on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, for lack of a better phrase, I'm looking forward to hearing what, um, Bomani Jones from High Noon is talking about, or. Uh, Stephen A. and all the shows and kind of all the, the runaround, especially on ESPN, like the actual sports shows, you know, looking forward to hearing their takes on what was happening and their reflections. That's how we grieve. Like, mm-hmm. that's how we process. When Prince died, uh, I, I wrote about it before um, I was on a plane mm-hmm. when he died. And I had a piece up before I landed. But that's how I chose to deal with that particular grief. Right. Um, which is not normal for me or anybody else. But once I landed and saw all the pieces, like I just stayed up all night on Facebook, heck, you know, putting up links. Somebody just wrote this. Mm-hmm. Somebody just wrote this. Somebody just posted this photo. Somebody just put this. 
and it was a communal funeral. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's that's a great way to put it. It was, it was com- a communal memorial, even. I can yeah. think it would be more to it. But um, so I'm I'm watching all the all the things and, and listening, and the video of Kobe and Gigi sitting courtside at I think it's a Laker game, or whatever it is, and Kobe's pointing to the court and like get, breaking down a play or whatever it is, and they're having a a, a moment, it, a a very genuine and very sweet moment of enjoying their passion and him teaching her and everything that goes along with that. And in that moment, um, my ex-wife texts me and says, Hey, um, my son is, you know, he, he's on his way to school and he's skipping down the sidewalk to, to the school bus. And my ex-wife is also a very big sports fan. So these things kind of resonate for us. We, we text back and forth during football games or anything else. Like sports has kind of been, um, how we communicate with each other mm-hmm, just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that text and it's like, oh, that's, man. And that moment's like, I wish I could have seen that. And that's one of the things as a divorced parent, you realize like there's so many things that you miss. And I think a lot of times we learn to deal with that and you navigate and it's fine. I beg to differ, but that's a different show, I think. Um, given what happened the day before, the idea of missing anything is just Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. super, super rough. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh man, that's things and then i get a follow-up text from her saying he's sitting next to me he wants to make sure that i text you to tell you his front tooth is wiggly and i'm i'm reading this and i'm looking at that and i broke it was like i i I don't i don't don't know if i have the exact words to kind of break it down it's funny i think i've i've kind of said this story four or five times already and every time Mm -hmm. it gets in my throat Mm -hmm. Um, when I first told you what happened, I broke again completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized how much it was. And we had the conversation before. If Gigi's not on a helicopter, it's a sad moment. It's very tragic, but, but it hits different. It's so, it's so different. Mm-hmm. Um, we had just started to like see her. Right. We just started to, I don't know. I mean, I've, I know all the girls, but I don't know how much I just started to see her regularly mm-hmm. on the court, you know, playing basketball, um, it just hit much different. And I think Gigi was sort of that quintessential middle child mm-hmm. until she became the basketball stand mm-hmm. and kind of had that connection mm-hmm. directly with Kobe. Mm-hmm. Um, and by all accounts, she was going to be something. She was okay. going to be big. Yeah. Um, she wanted to go to UConn. And they actually, um, the first game back for UConn, they set out a jersey for her on, on the team seat and everything else. And that was sort of their memorial to her. Which I thought was great because obviously there's, in the NBA there's going to be all the memorials him um, teams taking twenty four second violations eight second violations in memory of Kobe. The fact that Gigi got this moment I thought was really really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we all have our brushes with mortality in different moments, and I think for especially for black fathers. It was just a universal wipeout for mm-hmm. everybody. And in the, without talking about it too much, the manner of death, you know, a plane crash is like not it. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to envision what that was like. You don't want to envision him. You, you just don't want to envision that. If he had died in his sleep and we found out he had a heart attack and, or stroke, right. whatever, it's like, oh, I guess it was his time. Right. But a plane crash, you, you never feel like that was your time. Right. 
or a 13 year old's time for that matter or all the people who yeah. are on that flight yeah so um i was i i was mourning when i didn't expect to be mourning and it seemed like that was the case for a lot of folks and this is outside of the shaquille o'neal's and the Kyrie Irving and the LeBron Jameses who had personal connections to him. Mm -hmm. um, Shaquille O'Neal in particular, he had his moment on uh, Inside the NBA where he was essentially eulogizing uh, Kobe. And you pointed out like he had to take his break. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, 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 we, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. um, it's a level of vulnerability that doesn't really get assigned to men, and especially to black men. It's like this nakedness. Mm -hmm. And it's I, I, I still can't wrap my head around how I feel about the fact that it happened for because of a athlete and a celebrity that 99% of us don't even actually know. But we do. That's how celebrity works. We know. That's exactly how celebrity mm -hmm. works. This is why we mourn them. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, I often caution the idea that why are we, you know, when people question why we are mourning a celebrity, it's because they let us in and mm -hmm. we know them. We do know them. We don't know them personally. Mm -hmm. We know them. They don't know us, which is why they wouldn't mourn if we died. <laughs> but we do know them. Right. And then there's also the complicated nature of who Kobe was. He was obviously a future Hall of Famer. Um entrepreneurially he was on his way to doing a bunch of th different things he just wanted oscar for an animated short um he very openly said he wanted to be the next walt disney and he had the plans to do so um but there is uh things like the sexual assault mm -hmm. that are hanging in the air that folks are reconciling how to mourn this person knowing that there is this black mark on their record so i followed the case very closely in real time when he was uh, going through this rape case. I don't. I want to use the right word for it. Yeah, actually, as you said, I want. I want to be it's clear rape. to it. It was rape. Um, it was a rape case. And I purposely avoided rereading it when he died on Sunday and on Monday and on Tuesday because I knew I was. I I appreciated being a part of the communal mourning for this man. Mm -hmm. who had a lot of qualities that I liked and admired. And I knew once I reread it, it would sort of dial a lot of that back. So where are you now after kind of going through, back through it again? Um, well, I'm definitely not rah-rah, poor Kobe. Well, I'm grieving. I don't know. That's the better answer. I don't know. I know that I read the transcripts yesterday and I was disgusted and I was as disgusted as I was the first time when I was reading about it in real time. Um, I know that he, it's weird because we talked about this earlier about the letter of apology he wrote mm -hmm. that wasn't that wasn't uh, uh, required. No. And this, um, and this letter was after the criminal case was dismissed yep. and before the civil Be before suit. Before the civil suit, yes. So, so even in that sense, him... Potentially writing this letter can be a problem and can be an issue for him. Although, from my understanding, he got he spoke to the victim beforehand saying, I want to write this letter of apology, yes. mm -hmm. but can this not be mm -hmm. something Probably. that's used against me in the civil suit? Right. Um, Which so, I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that, but that's what happened. So, it's problematic. Um, apology or no apology. 
Um, but I don't begrudge anyone their own separate, mm. complicated feelings about Kobe. So one of the things I saw on Twitter was, hey, you guys are mourning, but you got to remember this dude was a rapist. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely fair. Yes. And there was a smattering of now's not the time to do this. And I've never been one to feel like you sugarcoat Mm-mm. folks after like their, your life, their life was their life. Mm-hmm. And even going back to um, your Frank Lucas story, mm-hmm. just because you die doesn't mean no. that you, we get to make you into a fairy tale. Kobe's life was complicated and especially complicated because of this rape case and 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 what he did and and all the rest of it it brings up a question of forgiveness right if you do the things whatever the things are Mm -hmm. can you be forgiven period can you be forgiven to the extent that not that it's never brought up again because there's no such thing as that but can you be forgiven i don't know how I would feel. There's a part of me that wants to say, you know what? I think Kobe was going to do a lot of good in his life had he lived. I think when I see how much support he gave to the WNBA, mm-hmm. when a lot of uh, NBA players do not, when a lot of men in general do not, he really pushed for right. them to get respect, to get them equal pay, all that stuff. When I see the type of father he seemed to be, when I see all of that, and sometimes also I his, think... There was also his charity work. Like It came out that he did make a wish like 200 times, yes. all those different mm-hmm. things. And when I see that, I think... He could have redeemed himself and he or he was on his way to redeeming himself. But so my question to that, and not to cut you off, my question to that is who decides the redemption? Who decides the tipping yeah, point of it's redemption? In, it's individual. Mm-hmm. We don't collectively decide. Mm-hmm. We don't. So everybody gets to deal with it how they will. If someone came in here, if Bill Cosby died tomorrow and someone came in and said, I just feel so conflicted. Like he made the Cosby show, but blah, blah, blah. This woman, me over here, I don't have any conflict. Right. Conflict. Right. Zero. But with Kobe, I do. And one of the things about the letter that was striking is this is 15 years ago. Yeah. And there's a nuance and a language in that letter that I think most of us are just catching up to now. Mm-hmm. And not that, it, it's, not that it, it forgives what happened, but it felt like there was an actual introspection yes. into this because he's talking about consent. Yes. And I don't even know, and weird, I don't think the word consent is in the lexicon 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so It's in the legal lexicon, right, but it's but not it's, the way it is now. Right. It's not, not post me to talking mm-hmm. consent and everything else. Um, and the way it's penned, you can tell this wasn't a lawyer write-up. This is him doing mm-hmm. all the things. And I don't know how much that changes, I don't know how much that changes the, the legacy at all. But it certainly makes it more complicated. I think that, like all celebrity deaths, these things unfold. It's still super early. He died on Sunday. It's Thursday. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, memorials are being planned and people are still going to talk and people are still going to add more and more to his legacy. Um, A lot. I've seen several stories of people who are sharing wonderful things that he did that he asked them specifically not to talk about publicly mm-hmm. that they're now sharing because right. he's not here. Um, so there'd be more of that. If Unless he gets, unless accusers start to come up and say, y'all can, you can legacize him. Is that a word? If you want, but this happens to me, this happens to me, this absent that I really feel like he is going to still be lionized in death. 
there will always be people who bring up, mm-hmm. but he was acquitted, which we know in these kind of cases doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it helps you to, if he hadn't, if he had been found guilty, he wouldn't have won that Oscar. So he was already forgiven in pop culture. Sure. He had already sure. been, by the time he changed his number to 24 and won some championships, he was back. No one was talking bad about him. It was a footnote in any. He won an Oscar. There's no, you can't even mount an Oscar campaign if he had been found guilty of rape. And it's into that end. It's actually, I was kind of mad at myself because I saw the initial team was like, don't forget 15 years ago in Colorado. I forgot Colorado. Oh, wow. That's, that's your penis thinking. It's penis brain right there. Um, I, I mean, never, every time I see Kobe on TV, I think about it. I don't, yeah. Yeah, so I saw you say, oh, yeah, Colorado. And then I took a second process. I was like, nope, that, that's the thing that, he, that happened. But to your point, you're right. Um, also, women, the, at the risk of making us all seem like a monolith, but I don't know if you remember, he bought uh, the Vanessa the $4 million ring. ring right. And you know, and a lot of women were like, really? So he can rape somebody and then buy you $4 million ring and you're good. Um, so there was a lot of that going on at the time that never really went away. So, and and we we were talking before about um, how Vanessa is viewed in all this, and in terms of like the family never really embraced her. No, and um, people say that she's the reason. I mean, his parents. I don't know what their relationship was of late, but it was known that he didn't have a close relationship with his parents over the last um, couple of years, mm-hmm. and Vanessa did not have any much support. In the women of color community, right? Who felt, you know, felt a way about. I don't even know what her nationality is. I don't know even know if they would be considered. Is she white? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna call it white adjacent because I, I want to say that she's Hispanic, but I'm not positive on that either. Um, Aren't we not saying? Are we saying Hispanic? Is that a thing? I mean, it exists. Yeah. It says she's an American model of Mexican descent. So Latino. Latinx. Latinx. Um, so either way, she read white and she wasn't... She wasn't black. She wasn't black. Right. Um, so there was issues with that. And then she was a little snooty or she seemed like she was. Um, I mean, to be fair, Kobe was a little snooty too. So right. It is what it she is. got married at 18. He was 22. You know, it was like... She was a quote unquote video, video vixen. vixen or something. I don't know. So... I, I was telling you before that I do find it fascinating that she is immediately... I mean, there's a there's a small uh, group of people who are still on that. She, You know, someone tweeted out, well, what's she going to do with this money? What's she going to do with this money? Is she going to put this money into the black community? I'm just like, wait, what? What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, you know, it's a tragedy that he's dead because now all of his money is going to go to white people, not his four black children. But whatever. So, but what is interesting is that I remember, okay, so I have this weird thing about rap lyrics that are mean to women. Not a thing, but like, I take it personally. Like, I get sad. Mm-hmm. Not mean, like, F this B. I'm used to that. Right. That rolls off me like, it's like, whatever. But like Jay-Z's, not for nothing, never happened, I'll be forever macking from Big Pimpin'. Mm-hmm. That made me sad. I always hated that line because I always felt like, but you don't know. What if you find the right person, Jay? You might actually give your heart. And and lo and behold. And lo and behold. Although you almost <laughs> fucked that up too. Right. Um, and we will have an episode at one point going through 
problematic songs and right. ones that you may not realize are problematic but actually are. Correct. So that one is not problematic. It just hurt my feelings. Right. Because um, I would see dudes in the club singing that part and be like, you know what? You guys shouldn't say that because you really might end up married one day and be very happy. Um, so a similar one was Drake who said, my nigga Kobe about to lose 150 mil. I hate it had to be you. Tell that bitch you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. So, and it's funny for me, I I guess over time, I only remember the shooting in the gym part. I, I missed the connection to what was happening with Kobe. She had filed for divorce. Right. And he was worth $300 million, so community property state, the whole bit. Right. Um, and he apologized to Kobe and Vanessa the next time that Kobe saw him mm-hmm. after that song came out. They had recon- reconciled, and he asked him to apologize because it was not going over well for him. Right. And Drake did. Um, it was a little, it was one of those a little too close to home. Like maybe we didn't have to say, I hate it had to be you. Right. Um, don't, don't mention my name. Don't say Kobe. (laughs) Just say, I'm sorry you about to lose 150 mil. We know who you talk about. But we also know that Drake likes to cut very close to, yes, close to the boat. Yeah. Um, Like if you could say, you know, Sarah Smith. Right. From. Yes. Who liked it anal style, like whatever he's getting right down. So that line just like, oh, um, and no one, no one caped for her. No one said that's not right. Right. If they said it wasn't right, they were saying it wasn't right to Kobe for him to put his business out there. Right. No one said Vanessa is having all the babies and take care of all the home. Mm-hmm. No one said you goddamn right. She's not shooting in a gym because she married you at eighteen and she's having all these goddamn babies right. and dealing with you on a rape job. Right. The idea that Drake would say that, I'm sorry, it had to be you after she held him down. If if Vanessa had not taken him back. He would have never recovered. It was not just the acquittal. She gave him his family back. Mm-hmm. She gave him the red carpet events back. If she would have left him, nope, it's done. Anyway, so I find it interesting that she's, you know, she's definitely, you know, people are very pro Vanessa, and a lot of those women were not, which Con- is normal. Context, that happens. Context changes everything. Of course, absolutely. Um, and it's funny because as much as. I think there were contingent folks that were upset that Kobe did marry a black woman. I don't think, I, don't, I can't imagine too many black women that wanted to go through what Vanessa went through either. Absolutely not. So it's, it's, it's a weird mix. Like, it shouldn't be you, but I don't want but it to I don't be want me. It either. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, final thoughts on Kobe and the events of the week and all the things? Um,. I think that were we to have this exact same conversation a week from now, it would be markedly different. I think it's still super early, and I think they're talking about having a memorial service at the Staples Center or at the Coliseum where people are going to speak out. We're going to see Vanessa and the girls at some point. Mm -hmm. That's going to get everything back up again, um, where people are going to be openly grieving. just like I would suggest that folks read Lovey Ajayi's post, it becomes very popular every time someone passes away. She did the six stages of celebrity grieving when Tina Marie died mm-hmm. six years ago, and it's super on point in terms of like, is it true? Check TMZ, <laughs> you know, ignore Twitter. She literally puts on there, like, right. don't go on Twitter. Twitter was such a hot, fucking it was a mess. shit show. Um, and then it's like confirmation. Mm. And then grieving begins. And then after that, 
people start criticizing people for grieving. Right. So we all grieve collectively, and then some people start saying, what you grieving for? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we are now in the... We're somewhere between still collectively grieving and what are y'all grieving for? Right. Um, you know, people like a person whose name I will not say out loud, uh, making videos about conspiracy theories about what has happened to Kobe. Don't even say his name. No, no, no I'm just going to say fuck him. Okay. That. We'll say that. Yeah. Um, those people are coming out like roaches and doing what they do. So we'll have to see. I don't know. I'm curious to see. What I'm curious to see is will I see a continuation of black men feeling comfortable enough to be emotional in the way that I've seen it? Because what I saw from Shaquille, I've never seen that before. Mm. What I saw from Doc Rivers, I've never seen that before. Um, It was frightening, but it seemed cathartic at the same time. And that's how change happens. Little tiny bits, cold, in little tiny bits, your son will look at television and see Shaquille O'Neal sobbing. Mm-hmm. And that is going to make him know, I can sob if I'm sad about something. Well, what's, I think what's a little bit of a help to my son is I'm a crier. I think the difference of, and I think a lot of black men are actually criers. I think they what are ha- or are not? They are. I think that what happened here was we cried publicly. Right. And we cried collectively. I right. think that and yeah, ugly cry, ugly cry. I saw snot mm-hmm. and red so, eyes. So, I didn't just see like the the one lone right tear. So Kobe dies, and there are games that day, mm-hmm. and every player who meant anything, there's photos of them just like sobbing on mm-hmm. the court, especially mm-hmm. like during the anthems or the tributes or whatever else, mm-hmm. just openly sobbing. Which, you know, people thought that the NBA should cancel games. Um, I saw a lot of people saying, you see, they're so, they're, they're crying. You know, let them go home to their families. Um, which I, I kind of thought, or not. Like somebody like, I think it was Kyrie Irving who didn't play. Yeah, he went home. Yeah. And I would, I think that there was support for someone who wanted to do that. Right. And I think Kobe would want it and people to play. So for those folks who don't follow basketball, whatever else, Kyrie Irving is probably the ultimate Kobe stan. Um, he modeled his entire game and damn near life after Kobe. Um, so the idea that he, that day was just too much for him, it's clear. I think it was one of those where you allow people to grieve how they want to grieve. Mm-hmm. Anybody who knows the legacy of Kobe knows that Kobe would have played mm-hmm. if 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 God forbid it was Shaquille as opposed to Kobe. Kobe's playing. Mm-hmm. Um, Kobe is famous for. Um, and if Shaquille was still in the league, he would have played too. Right. So everybody who so Kobe is one of Kobe's most famous moments. He's in a game and he tears his Achilles in the middle of the game. I saw that. Um, he does free throws. Yes. If you if, to the, if you've ever line. torn anything in your body, you know. Your day is over. I'm going home. I'm taking my ball. I'm taking my bag. I'm done. He hobbles over to the free throw line, hits both free throws, and then gets helped off to the bench. And when he gets to the bench, he's telling the trainers to wrap him so he can go, so back, he can go back into the game. So the Did I, he? No. Kobe's contract was worth way too much to destroy him for a random game, so he was done for the season. Um, and he was never quite the same after that, obviously, but he had like three or four more years and his career was what it was 
But to to know that about Kobe and to be a professional basketball player who's a fan of Kobe, your honor, your your morning might be on that basketball court. Um, and I think those, I think that particular day, the games didn't matter. It was just we're going to, and for the fans as well. Um, I think the fans needed to have that. There were there were, I want to say a dozen um, uh, memorials that day, and they were all basketball games. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there was one at the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl was. They a little, did something. They did something, yeah. They but but something. I don't think that was a space of like. You like how morning. I knew that? Oh, very good. Because think... there was some controversy because um, some people believe that ESPN mm-hmm. should have been covering the Kobe thing immediately, and they didn't. They allowed the Pro Bowl to stay on, mm-hmm. and they just moved all the Kobe coverage to ESPN, too. Well, there are con- also said, contracts involved as yes, well. Yes, but some people said you break the contract when Kobe Bryant gets killed in a helicopter, and those people that you, the NFL, whatever, is going to understand why you're breaking there. Just like if there's a war or if something, there are moments where you have to break the contract to cover something breaking and ESPN is that for Kobe Bryant's death. So famously, um, you like how I know that too. <laughs> so famously, and I, I don't remember what year this was, but, um, John Lennon died on a Monday mm. and Monday night football is playing. Mm-hmm. Famously, Howard Cosell is on the broadcast saying John Lennon was shot and he has died. Game carried on, everything. Mm. And granted, John Lennon wasn't a football player; he right. wasn't a basketball player. Of course. But that was the news, and it was the game, yep. and the rest of it. This is not the same. The Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl. This was a random Monday night game. It wasn't even. I know, but yeah. from what I've read about the Pro Bowl, after I oh, learned Pro, about Pro this, Bowl is trash. It's trash. No, nobody so cares about the game. You... The the players don't want to be at the Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea so they should have broken in because everyone is tuning in to ESPN to get the news. The NFL, there's no way. So I don't. I don't. What would the N- you take the fines? What is the NFL going to do? Say we're not going to show the NFL games on ESPN anymore? Yes. There, there's, really? There's a because you broke in onto the Pro Bowl. There's potential for that, and it's 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 far more complicated than they could have done it. I disagree. Um, I forgot where we were. So I was basically saying like there was so many eulogies, basically or memorials going on during that day, and they end up canceling the Lakers Clippers game the following day. So Vanessa has spoken out, and I didn't know she that. was on yeah on Instagram. She did a whole thing that came out I think today actually or this morning. Okay. Yeah. So she she has made a statement. I haven't read it. Um, I'm kind of at a point where I don't need to just for my own sake. What do you mean? Um, I'm sort of slowly climbing out of the post Kobe, Kobe, everything, and slowly getting back to my regular self. And I feel like reading that at this point would just kind of slide. I'll read it at some point, but now is not the time for me to read it. Um, and I mean, to be personal for a minute, because we've already told a lot of business anyway, I think this week you've seen me struggle a bit just outside of anything having to do with Kobe just it's been a rough week it has so I don't actually I I wouldn't call it a rough week I would call it a week but Mm. I don't know if the moments have been rough as much as they've been illuminating and lightning it's been an emotional week Mm. but I don't know if I would say it was rough for for I kind of equate the two and maybe that maybe that's part of something I need to work out is I equate the two where you know emotion means rough and Mm -hmm. it's like but um yeah, I, I don't think I'll be reading that. I don't think I need any more coverage on Kobe anytime soon. Down the line, I'll go back and there'll be, you know, the ESPN 30 for 30s and all the documentaries and all things. And I'll dive into that. But for now, I need the separation. So 
Is it yeah. because you were covering it more so than if you had not been? It, like, what if you were just sitting around watching the news and I was only covering it? And I was like, yo, did you hear about what happened? And you didn't have to jump in. I think either one of us covering it would have altered it. I think, to answer your question, if we're not covering it, I think I'm sad. And I think I'm processing things faster. Um, the delay and the offset of acknowledging what happened and what it meant, I think that kind of created more of a ripple. For yes. Me. And for me, it was definitely tougher because that first hour or two where we're not believing TMZ, mm-hmm. I don't know how long it actually was. It felt like an entire afternoon before Variety finally, I think Variety was the first. Yeah. Um, that part was just this purgatory of not knowing was just really tough. And actually, no, for me, it was um, Adrian Wojnarowski, who is a sports reporter. Yes. He is, if he says it, it is so. He is voice of God when it comes to the NBA. And um, if you follow NFL, he is the Adam Schefter for the NFL, for the NBA, where if he says it, it is. It's going to happen, and it's foregone conclusion. So that's when it became real for me in that moment. It was like, no, it's guys. Was that before Variety? This was this was even after Variety because if I remember correct, Variety initially was still just citing TMZ. It took a no, while for it took Variety a while. then changed it. Variety then, was the first to say sources confirmed to us. Right, right. They okay. changed their story. They updated it because initially it was TMZ and then yeah. they switched over. Mm-hmm. Right. So and um, then it was the LA Times. Yeah, because the LA Times was I think one of the first ones to say there was a helicopter crash. Yes. Without any names, right. saying there was a helicopter crash. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the things. But to answer your question, I think. Covering it definitely uh, shoved down the timeline for me in terms of processing a bit. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I I wasn't really expecting. I didn't really know how to be there for you. Like, I wasn't expecting the level of emotion that you had around it because, A, I didn't. Mm -hmm. It It was more work than anything else. Right. Like, when Prince died, I was like literally couldn't see because I'm crying as I'm trying to write at the same time. And for, for me, Prince wasn't that because I wasn't, and I'm sorry guys, I wasn't the biggest Prince fan. Shh, you know Portia's coming here. I appreciated Prince's music, but I wasn't like the diehard. I, I appreciated Prince the way non-sports fans might appreciate Kobe. Like, yeah. I know he's great and I like some of his work. I mean, that's most of us. Right. But it wasn't. It was but, really more about a drug overdose? Seriously? Prince mm. dies of a drug overdose? Right. And me just feeling like he was probably going to outlive me and just the mm. shock and awe of all of that. Right. Um, But I wasn't sure. Like, it was... Maybe this is a different episode altogether, but it was illuminating because I'm used to someone not knowing how to comfort me when I'm in distress. Right. And I saw that... I saw how difficult that is. Mm-hmm. To be that person who needs to comfort someone else, I'm not. I would not. I'm not used to that at all. And I'm the, I'm the opposite. I'm much better equipped to be the comforter than to need to be comforted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite catchphrase over the last couple weeks is "I'm uncomfortable," and yes. and it comes up whether that's it's, new. I thought you've been using this all your life. No. So so know me as I know that I don't take compliments well. I don't take comforting well. Even if I need it and seek it out when it's actually happening, it it will literally make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, You've seen me shake mm-hmm. at like bouncing and mm-hmm. just nervous and all the things. So I'd much rather be the comforter. I know how to do that role, play that role. And I guess it goes back to the vulnerability part in terms of being a man. The idea of like, you know, I can I can comfort you and, and do all things. I'll get you soup. I'll get you tea. I'll but you don't hand. have those. Not from what I can see. I don't see like 
you don't have those tropes. Like, sure, you'll be the provider, and you'll be the comfort or whatever, but I've never gotten from you that you don't want those things for yourself. I think what it is, I don't think it's a, a matter of not wanting. I don't know what the things are that I want. Mm-hmm. So, and you, in your Facebook post, you say, you know, you read my Facebook post? I read all your Facebook posts. I, I, I just now logged out of your actual, <laughs> off, off your profiles. Um, but no, you said that, you know, you were trying to figure out whether to dive in or to sit back. So you didn't end up sitting back. Mm-hmm. And I can say that that was enough. Um, okay. Was I, it? Yeah, because I think, I think what you call sitting back is being observant and listening, listening and present. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, you went to the kitchen while right. I was in the living room. Right. You were there with me. Right. And at no point, definitely like, well, if I needed a hug, I can't get up and get a hug. So interestingly enough, I wrote that, but then a day later, there was a, not the same reason, but a similar situation where I didn't, I dove in mm-hmm. and I almost like required you like I didn't not hug you and didn't not hold your hand and didn't not right. hug you so I think you can only do what the moment says what the moment says to do and mm-hmm. just hope that it's the thing that the person wants right which I don't think that in that moment that that's what you wanted I think you would have appreciated me falling back and being present and being nearby then too really the second time I think you did again it was it it was the the right thing because I think at that point I broke harder than it did for the you first did. time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't think there is a right answer. I think it's being in a space where you're with people where you can either lean in and fall back on both sides. I can lean in and know that's going to be okay. I can fall back as the griever and know it's going to be okay. You can try and hug me and I can say no, thank you, or vice versa, and it's fine. Because um, it's messy. There's no mm-hmm. blueprint. There's no what I need this second might change the following second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's the part that isn't going to talk about as much either because there was a lot of women talking about they want to see this more from men, the well, openness and the, and the bareness. I and, disagree. I saw more, what can we do to support them in this moment right now where okay. we're seeing all that? I don't mm-hmm. think we've yet gotten to, how do we see more of this? I still, in my circles, and I'm still seeing... How do we support them? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we make space? I hate that expression. Making space. Making space, but it's so valuable. Mm-hmm. There's a whole episode about that, about how I try to push back against narrative and dynamic and make space, even though they're perfect and they're so helpful. I feel that, that way about safe space. Words. I don't believe in safe spaces. You don't believe in safe spaces? I so believe in safe I don't, spaces. I don't, think there, I don't think there's such a thing as safe spaces. There are. As much as you want there to be. I create a safe space for my daughter. You create mm-hmm. safe spaces for your son. Maisie, my daughter has a safe space. She has a place where she can be a spoiled brat, where she knows that she can ask me for anything. And this is another episode, but giving her a pass Mm -hmm. is literally a safe space. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you a safe way to tell me something you need to tell me right away. Right. I created a space for that. That's exactly what it is. Don't start. (laughs) That's exactly what a safe space is. So if your future stepbrother falls down an elevator shaft... Just let me know. Nothing will happen. So um, you can. I know what you mean because mm-hmm. these things can be overdone, but you can create safe spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so so, and I saw a lot of. I, I think I saw a fair amount of. Um, this is 
mind-blowing and surprising. And I think we even had the conversation where, you know, I hope this continues in terms of the open morning and the, and the vulnerability and, the, and men feeling they're in a space where they can do these things. Mm-hmm. And kind of what you kind of went back, what kind of what you mentioned, I hadn't seen a lot of conversation about how women deal with it when it happens and how they how they can support and how like there's one like there's one thing to be the mourner and then the mourner or the mourner and the person who's supporting the mourner mm-hmm. um i think because there's this idea that um men and black men in particular don't openly mourn and don't openly cry and don't express themselves as that way that black women may not be fully equipped or used to having to be absolutely. the consolers absolutely it's very frightening it's absolutely, it's frightening. You know, I came out of, you know, most relationships that I've been in, my relationship with my dad, my brother. These are all people who are stoic. Mm-hmm. And what I learned the other day was that it's just as frightening and scary to be in a relationship where the person can't be there for you as it is for you trying to be there for the other person. Right. Um, and just because I have to be me. I do realize that we're talking about this in a very heteronormative kind of, of context. Of course, absolutely. Um, but acknowledging that we're just, I want to acknowledge that we're talking about relationships in general. We are. We're talking about relationships in general. Um, but yeah, like I have a newfound respect for my ex-husband because he was not able to come for me many times. Mm-hmm. So I could stand in front of him in tears and he would call, he would be what we called a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And he would just kind of like, his face would be stricken. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Right. Um, sometimes he got it right. More times he didn't. And, and now, literally two days ago, I was like, I felt like I was making the same exact face. I felt mm-hmm. like if you were looking at me, mm-hmm. you were seeing the face that I had seen from him. This stricken, like, what do I do right now? You might not have. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is, I know now what he might have been feeling inside. Right. I don't know, you know, what I saw is something different. Because to be fair, in that moment, I don't even know if I saw you at all. I, th- I think I was so far into myself that I knew you were there, but I wasn't paying attention to, like, mm-hmm. you as a as It was a, a, it was a really, um, and that's where all of this becomes these granular but awesome lessons that I can realize how you make the decisions on how to be present for somebody. And how you just kind of go with the instinct that you have. And I mean, I don't think I'm going to necessarily say anything to him, but I do have uh, a better understanding of the brick wall. Mm. Uh, The brick wall face doesn't mean it's a brick wall heart. It can just literally mean you don't know. It's a deer in headlights. It's a deer in headlights, for sure. I want to read something if I can. Go ahead. It's a comment from someone um, on that Facebook post that I wrote about grief and being present. And he said, I was brought to your post by my lady, Stoney, and let me first say I appreciate this. I appreciate your honesty and not only acknowledging the need for men to be able to be vulnerable, but also making sure that when we are, you're contributing to getting it right. I want to tell you what my lady and I experience has been over the last couple of days. She was the first person I called when I got the news. I didn't want it to be real, and I just needed to be comforted and allowed to express my hurt. She gave me that and more. The entire day I spent on the phone with her, just crying, sharing stories about Kobe, She mostly just listened. She knows how impactful he was to me. We would often have healthy and humorous debates about who's the better ball player, Kobe or anyone else she would name. My lady would also swap memories of Kobe with me. She and I took turns sending different pictures of Kobe with Gigi, his family, and on the court, as well as interviews and articles. We watched the Grammys together, 
and paid attention to the tributes given to Kobe. Even when she wasn't certain if she got it right, she acknowledged it and assured me that she's here for me in any capacity I need. I love and thank her for it. Again, thank you for this post and for allowing me to share my vulnerability. So that took me out. Yeah, I'm... Took me <laughs> right on out. I don't know this I'm man. I'm having a moment right now, too. So from a hole in the wall mm-hmm. at all. Don't know him at all. Took me clean out. So on that note. <laughs> <laughs> on that um, note, I think you have like three shows here. Because yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, I just took you someplace else entirely. Yeah. Um, I You're think tearing I'll, up. A little bit. Yeah. It, so maybe I will read the statement from... Well, no, I'm not. No. Um. <laughs> I don't think you should because I just did. So you should not. Right. So um, I guess I'll just leave it with hug your people, love your people. Um. No. 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 That was actually in my notes. It says right here, I am not making up with anyone because Kobe's dead. I didn't say that. I know. But there's this whole element of you never know. So make sure you love folks. Make sure you hug your people. Make sure you do the things because tomorrow's not promised. There is someone in my life that I am not speaking to right now. And that person knows exactly who they are. And you know exactly who they are. And no, not because Kobe is gone and nothing is ever promised to us. Am I going to magically make up with said person? Unless I just run into them on the street randomly, then I'll get out of my car and hug them tight <laughs> and then continue not right. speaking to them. So, uh, and I think to that end, this this, this show is never going to end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think to that end, I think there's something to the idea of loving and hugging your people. But no, this isn't a space to fall back into toxic relationships and hurt and pain Mm-mm. because of tomorrow may not be promised. So how do you, how are you, when you say something like love and hug your people, which people say... When things like this happen, what does that really mean? The people who are actually my people. Yeah, but you're going to do that anyway. We do and we don't. Actually, I say more often than not, we actually don't. Um, we, we love our people from afar. We love our people day to day. So give me a real world example in your own life of where if someone said, hug your people, you would say... This is the actual thing. Because we say hug your people. It's not very... What? What are you talking about? So, like, hug Kenny when we go outside? Maybe? I was about to say my people, but that's not fair. <laughs> Kenny's a good... So, here's a perfect example. Um, you just met my brother recently. Yes. I and love you, Chris. <laughs> Chris is one of the most amazing people in my life. And you told me, long before I met him, you mm-hmm. said... Chris is going to love you and you're going to love right. him. And was, yeah, just wait. Yeah, just wait. <laughs> um, prior to, I want to say my birthday, probably, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen him in months. Mm. And this isn't somebody that I had an issue with. Right. No arguments or anything. Love him. And we all, I am each other and message each other and stuff randomly. But only very recently have we actually gotten to have attempting to hang out again. Sure, you can take the you know, no, take I the like credit. To take credit for that. Take the credit. Um, you know, we it was my, he came. You brought him in for my birthday. Mm-hmm. You Ubered him <laughs> from the Bronx to New Jersey. To New Jersey. Yes, now, I for did. Fo- for folks who aren't aware of um, the distance involved, Oof. I'm going to guess two and a half hours. Two and a, smooth two, on public transportation. Yes. Yes. And in terms of dollars and cents, that Uber ride was 
well over $100. For sure. And you did that both ways. For sure. And then you did it again New Year's. For sure. For, yeah. So all it, so um, there's all the things. But, you know, that sparked us going to catch a uh, movie premiere together mm -hmm. and me seeing him in the city because he had some stuff for my son and we hung out and did. Though That's what I'm talking about. The folk, the connections that grow weak and that we let kind of slide away because we're comfortable in the idea, like, I'll catch up with them eventually. So in that vein, I would prefer instead of ending with, I don't like platitudes. I don't like hug your people. I like. Hug the people when's that you actually like. Nope, not even that. <laughs> when is the last time you saw your sister? When's mm -hmm. the last time you saw your brother? Mm -hmm. When this show ends, call your sister mm -hmm. and figure out what they're doing this weekend and see if you can get some coffee with them. Call to action. I'm with it. I like call to actions. I don't like hug your people because it sounds cute, but I don't know what that actually means. And then it just becomes this cute thing you say until after Kobe's buried and then you wait for the next celebrity to say, tomorrow's not promised. And I'm guilty of that because when it was finally confirmed, the first thing I did on Facebook, I posted a picture of Kobe and Gigi and mm. I said, you just never know. Right. So I'm guilty of that too. So let's do this then. Um, we're going to issue a challenge. Um, Fall in love with someone. <laughs> if you can. Through a dating app. Yes. And then before the year is out, get married. That's our challenge to you. I think that was your challenge to me, actually. <laughs> I'm um, challenging myself. <laughs> um, not that we're married. We're not saying that. No. Or uh, are we? Dun dun dun. Um, like Aaliyah said, when this show ends, or when you finish listening to the show, call somebody that you have lost connection with, that you actually miss, and that you've kind of let things wither, and gotten comfortable with the idea that you have tomorrow. And actually do the thing today. Mm-mm. What? No. What? No. What now? What's wrong now? I don't like that one either. Okay, I'm going to let you issue the challenge. Because I'm just thinking of all the people in my life <laughs> that would fit that, and I'm not calling any of them. That you actually miss and would want to be around, and that you actually love, that you've kind of let things fall to the side? No. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of those. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't... It's fine. Some things just wither away, and that's okay, too. So I'm going to let you do this then. Okay. By the way, she likes to tell me this is my show. It is your show. Uh-huh. A host yeah. can talk. Uh -huh. But you ask me things like production values. Like, are we done? Or should we do this? Should we take a break? Like, I don't have a say. I don't have a say in that. You just, you just told me the thing I said twice was wrong. It's okay. Yeah, so no. you, I'm, mm -hmm. you, so what's, what's, the, what's the SPN challenge? What's the spin challenge? Spin challenge. Can I put a spin on your spin challenge? Can you not do that? Sorry. Um... <laughs> I wanted to be more direct. And what you said would work, but I feel like it's easy, It's too easy for someone like me to think, oh, yeah, I got a couple of those, but that ain't happening. Um, I feel like maybe it needs to be a little bit more so open-ended. I'm, I'm talking through it. Okay. Um, I feel like it should be something you, more open-ended. You were very determined to tell me, or you were very... I knew it was wrong. Focused, yeah. I'm still working on what's right. Okay. Knowing it's wrong doesn't mean I know what's right. Okay. Are we going to do this now? No, I'm, I'm waiting for you to kind of figure out what it is. Um, I want it to be something that's a little bit more open-ended so it doesn't like sting as much mm -hmm. when we're asking people to do it. I think I want it to be super simple. Um, who are the five people closest to you? You know they have that expression that the, the you are five. the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I've not heard that, but... Yeah, man. You can tell 
everything you need to know about a person hmm. by the five people they spend the most time with. And even though that's frightening, it's, in my experience, it's true. Um, who are the five people that you spend the most time with? And out of those five, who's the one you haven't seen? Mm-hmm. Go see him. And I don't care if that was yesterday. You and I haven't had a proper date, and I don't know how long. So if I'm doing this list, you might be the one. Who was- haven't you seen in the proper context? Mm-hmm. So, for example... Maisie and I haven't had a mother-daughter thing mm-hmm. for some time. So maybe the next time after she's back, we need to go roller skating or right. we need to do a thing. So for if it were you, which it very well could be, then we are going to go to the thingy place that you talked about and wherever you talked about it. When's the last time you and I actually went out that had nothing to do with work and we didn't talk about work? Uh, Never. <laughs> Uh, we, we went for breakfast. Did we talk? We talk about work at we breakfast. We talked about too. work at we breakfast. We talk about work too. constantly. Yeah, but you um, know what I mean. No, so I, who I are know, the five people you're closest to? Mm-hmm. Which one of them needs some time? Mm-hmm. You don't need to go back and find the. That's a lot. That's a lot of emotional labor we might be asking of people to be like, go find that person that you. Because there's usually a reason for that. So first, you gotta figure out why you let this go to the wayside before you just pick it back up again. So I would rather you start here. Mm-hmm. Like who in your circle now? Could you use a little bit more of them or they could use a little bit more of you? Okay, I'm with it. And I'm going to extend the challenge one half step further. Um, If and when you do this, hit me up. Email me at Shane at SPN Rights. That would be Shane at SPN Rights. Yes, my New York City Bronx self talks really fast and you yell at me for mumbling all the time. Shane at, at, at SPN Rights, or you can hit me up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash SPN Rights, and just let me know how that went. Um, maybe I'll read them on the air or have a conversation about that again. Um, with that, y'all have a good week. <laughs>